if you are listening to this, that means you are tuning in to another episode of the Seed Podcast, and I could not be more overjoyed. My name is Kristen, and I am one of the co-hosts of this podcast. I create it with one of my best friends, Daisy Habib, and each week we come together and just offer you a glimpse into what we're going through and how we are learning each day and with each moment to become more and more of ourselves and love more and more of ourselves and accept more and more of ourselves wholly and fully each day. And I hope that our personal conversations along with our conversations with these amazing practitioners, ones that touch on human design, herbalism, breathwork, and more, I hope these conversations can be supportive for you wherever you're at whether you're just looking to not feel so alone in maybe what you're experiencing right now, or if you're really in this space of, I want to learn, I want to grow, I'm taking in all of these different perspectives and ideas, and I'm figuring out what works for me, wherever you're at, wherever you're at. I'm so happy you're here. Today, Daisy and I get into a really nuanced conversation about food and body and how our own relationship with each of those things have been, but it opens the door to, again, that complex, nuanced conversation around systems of oppression. And if you're wondering how we go from point A to point B, just listen, I promise that it all ties together. And I think the way that it does is knowing that these power structures These dynamics that kind of guide our society do impact us on an individual level. Even if one of our identities is being upheld by those systems of oppression, we are still being moved away from ourselves and knowing ourselves fully. And I do believe that even if, again, one of your identities is upheld, we're still being negatively impacted because we are all one. And if one group or one of us is not free, the other is not as well. And in that freedom, in that personal freedom, and then that collective freedom, we can know and love and see ourselves for all of the complexity and paradox and all of the things that being a human is. So I hope that this conversation can help you begin to deconstruct some of the internalized beliefs that we all have. Because in the same way that these overarching systems impact the individual, I believe that our individual deconstruction of those ideas, and if we can detangle them from who we are, that then that contributes to our collective experience as well. So your personal work, your personal growth, all of that, especially when it's directed towards yourself and for the greater good for the for all beings, all life on this planet, that that really does begin to dismantle some of this. With that, I hope that you enjoy this episode. I'm so excited. I know that you will. I know you found it for a reason. And let us know what you think. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Grow With The Seed. I am in those DMs. I'm reading them, responding to you. So truly, I'm so excited to hear your thoughts on this one. And 
Again, so grateful, so grateful for you. I don't know why, like, I try to think back to, like, my college days, and I'm like, it's literally so spotty now, and, like, I don't know, like, did I just drink too much? I think it's, like, a mix of probably drinking too much, not eating enough, also having (laughs) pretty gnarly experiences in frat basements. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's, like, a mix of everything. I don't know. Malnourishment, too much alcohol, and trauma. I think I had a fun college experience. Let's say that. It wasn't, like, miserable, but I don't remember a lot of it. No, me too. Mine was definitely, like, fun in the moment. I was like, oh, yeah, time of my life, freedom, independence. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Let me do it every time, everything I want that I wasn't able to do under my parents' roof or whatever. And, but, like, looking back at it, I'm like, what a, like, sad, sad girl I was deep down, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is wild. And, like, going back to, like, the disordered eating thing, it was, like, having that, like, chaos in my brain quite literally of like being stuck in that like binge restrict cycle of like Mm -hmm. I'm a failure and I can't like do this right and like exercising for like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours a day and also nobody recognizing it because binging behaviors are just so like stigmatized and like especially back then nobody Mm -hmm. recognized that as an eating disorder like you would like tell someone your feelings about it and like I I don't know like it just wasn't viewed I myself didn't even view it as an eating disorder I just thought like I didn't have willpower and a full power tried like every diet in the book I don't know it's just wild to be like you could be going through that and like feel so much like hatred towards your body and like your lack of like willpower and stuff at the time and like nobody around everybody around you like celebrates it yeah and that happens in so many different instances, right? Like even like anorexia, like you're losing weight and people are like, wow, like good for you. You're so, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? You have so much willpower. You're so disciplined. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, disciplined. Mm-hmm. The praise to a fucking T, dude, there's nothing at all about health involved in that in any way and it's so interesting that we're just like we're being healthy like I remember doing these really wild I wish I could remember the name of it but these wild like restrictive five-day 10-day diets yes like I remember it was one of them like the military diet or something yeah one was a cabbage diet oh my god yeah It was gross. Why did we do this to ourselves? It was disgusting. And like me and all my friends would be doing it. And then when I could stick out all the days, I'd be so proud of myself. Mm -hmm. And if somebody else caved even better, because then I was really doing something great. Oh, yeah. The competitive nature. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Disorders, disordered eating, whatever, diet culture, even like, yeah, you have to have an eating disorder. It's just like so competitive. Like, what is it about that that makes us like, I don't know, suck ourselves off for being able to starve ourselves more than someone else? Like, what the fuck? I honestly think it's you're not going to think this is a jump, but you probably have thought of this already. But it's like when we are the best. Let's say there's a group of us dieting, and when we're the best quote unquote dieter, 
then we're more likely to maybe see the most progress. And then if Uh we're the smallest, we are the most lovable and we are safe when we're small. So when somebody else fucks up, it's less competition for getting love at the end of the day. And I don't think I never thought of it that way ever. But that's what is going on. Like, why else would I get such a rush from someone else not doing this stupid cabbage soup diet for five days and me doing it for five and then doing it for three and then being like, no, I'm going to fucking eat. And I'm like, huh, you're going to eat? Mm-hmm. Loser. Like, what? It totally is that. It is. Yeah. Everything that you just explained. And you can even see that, too, in, like, so we already talked about how there's, like, a competitive nature to eating disorders. But even when the person who has one is so aware of how sick it's making them, like, mm. they still sometimes feel the need to, like, be the best at being sick, right? And it sounds, like, so backwards to somebody who maybe doesn't understand that like headspace yeah and like I think just yeah at the root of it it's like this is something I'm good at and know how to get love through yeah whether it's through people praising your thinness whether it's through like attention from people who are showing care for you because you're sick like whatever route that love is being funneled to you is like reinforcing it sort of and you're like I need to this because this is how I know how to get this thing that I need you know yeah it's so hard to get your way out of it mm-hmm. and I remember in my internship I had worked with a dietitian who was very much in the eating disorder health at every size space and often using the term diet culture and She never said it until I brought it up, but we were always having conversations about these things, and I learned so much from her. And at one point, I remember looking over at her and being like, wait, is diet culture just the patriarchy? (laughs) And she just smirked, and she was like, that's like our nice name for it, yeah. And I was like, holy fuck, we're all doing this for the male gaze. Oh, yeah, we are. Like you, you, it was your, it was your wonderful quote where you were like, diet culture is patriarchy plus capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It is like the byproduct of those two systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's their baby. It's their baby. Yeah. It's like the douchey cousin of the shitty uncle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It is. The one at, like, your family dinner that won't shut the fuck up about his intermittent fasting and keto diet. But yeah. Let's uninvite diet culture and patriarchy from Thanksgiving this year. All of that. Everything. And really, like, especially with all the things and systems of oppression kind of being rocked right now. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're recording this, what is it, October 16th of 2023? I almost said 24. Weird. Um, We're not there yet. There yet. <laughs> but, like, I'm thinking more and more about all of those overarching, yeah, systems of oppression. And a lot of it, all of it, I don't know if the root is colonization, but I'm starting to think the root of it, even patriarchy and um, capitalism, is really rooted in colonization. 
Which I think in one breath goes hand in hand with white supremacy. Yes. But I think also goes hand in hand with like religious indoctrination because religion was the tool used for colonization. Yeah. Facts. It was like the vehicle of it. Yeah. We have to teach these people mm-hmm. how to be uh, more holy. Look how they're animals. Look how impure they are. They're not as intelligent. Our God, we are the chosen people. And we have to spread this message. It's our duty. It's our obligation. We can rationalize this this murder, this land grab, whatever's going on, because God's behind our army. They just don't know. And when they know, then we give them our religion and it'll fix everything and we're all living in peace. No. So I like, I don't know. Maybe there's not a real definitive answer, like what came first, the chicken or the egg. But but I I don't think it's a stretch to say that colonization is the root all, of all of that because even like I think of like the book like fearing the black body, mm-hmm. the roots of like the thin ideal, the body ideal are rooted in like racism and like colonization essentially like white supremacy right so yeah. that's really not a stretch to say that at all. Yeah, I'm I probably just like re iterating what is probably in that book because i haven't read it in full and i'm sure it's all weaved together yeah but then it it and all of the talk right now about like being a chosen people i think is also like seeping into my psyche a little bit of seeing the connection between colonization in that way Mm -hmm. using religion as a tool of Mm -hmm. we are the chosen people this is our land because we are chosen god wants us here Mm -hmm. and really that's just a guise for capitalism and then it's just like it's like that meme where like they're all pointing at each other yes like all the spider-mans yeah like that's all (laughs) that's it's like i don't even know fucking like white supremacy and colonization and it's almost like all the same thing with a different name, sort yes. of. Yes. It's just like this ephemeral thing that keeps like shape shifting and into all these different things. But I started thinking about that and I, I know I've heard of that connection before between religion and body issues and whatnot. And I have so much around wanting to be chosen mm. and I'm working on all of that. But wondering where that is from and why don't I feel chosen where can I choose myself and then also seeing that play out on the world stage of it's we're God's people no we're God's people we're God's people no we're God's people Mm -hmm. and somehow I was like chosen they feel chosen I want to be chosen religion makes us feel not chosen like all of it There's something about what you said that's sort of like giving some external thing the power to do the choosing. Yes. Versus just like, I don't know, or at least like putting the power in an external thing. Mm -hmm. Saying like, we are the chosen people because of our religion. Like we were chosen by God or something versus like, if we could all just fucking choose us, choose humanity, like we we don't need this like 
it's like ego yeah driver of like I don't I don't know I really can't even figure out where I'm going with this sentence but there's something there yes a hundred percent and I the way that like I can map it out a little bit in my brain is actually through astrology and using astrology as a tool of thinking about us entering the age of Aquarius the age of the people and we're leaving Capricorn energy, which is like daddy energy, which in a positive way could be like structure, determination, guidance, something of that nature. But then when it's manipulated in terms of patriarchy, oppression, God, I am God kind of thing, we we're leaving that whether we want to or not that's the way that life and humanity i think are kind of moving towards the people versus there's something i need to answer to respond to and get the approval of this Mm -hmm. maybe more masculine energy knowing that like every human can hold whatever energy that they identify with but moving towards ourselves and humanity and saying no we we don't need the government the way that we did capricorn we need to focus on humanity and understanding that the boundary is not within ourselves and within our groups of people it's more about just being a united human existence mhm right And of course, there's, you know, nuance here because with the current state of the world, like we can't just throw a bandaid on it and be like, yeah, one united human experience, right? Like when an oppressed group surrenders, uh, Mm -hmm. it's catastrophic (laughs) versus like when the oppressor surrenders, that's when we can actually have like this united front that we're talking about. So of course, like we're not trying to like spiritual bypass anything that's going on in the world right now, but yes like bottom line is that you know yeah i think it's more likely about restorative justice like you said like the person who's an oppressor breaking that cycle because i think brianna lynn drew this example in one of her recent videos about There's no group of people that hasn't been deeply oppressed that has not then turned and oppressed another group. Mm -hmm. And we see this cycle of generational trauma on like this mass collective level. Is that true that there's not a single group that hasn't done that? She mapped it out in a timeline of history that started about, I want to say, 4,000 years ago. Wow. I mean, I can think of a few examples off the top of my head. Yeah. One being, like, us, even. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Americans. Yeah. And there's – she went down, like, the timeline of history and and talked about – I wish – I'll link the the video in the show notes because it's really worth a watch. I – probably have mentioned Brianna Lynn several times at this point on this podcast and she's just someone I'm learning a lot from right now especially right now because she weaves together what I was talking about before different spiritual tools into actual um history and kind of makes that correlation but she leans more in the the area of 
her expertise is like socioeconomics and how indigenous cultures have been oppressed and how when we start to invite in capitalistic structures we see all of the chaos that Mm -hmm. is happening now when we move away from the people and so she did a really good job at like saying like look at what the israeli country is doing to people now when the formation Mm -hmm. of that that country being of course it's recognized as a country right now but the formation of that was on the surface something that was supposed to be like oh give people who have just suffered through the holocaust a homeland but then they they she she drew back and like talked about like the people who were oppressing them and how they were oppressed and like yeah. it just gets like spread and i re- i think about those that image on the internet of like a parent yelling or like a grandparent yelling at an adult and then the adult yelling at the kid and like someone shielding their future kid from that and like doing the work and breaking the trauma and i think right now we're we're seeing this happen and enough people unless i'm in my own bubble enough people are like wait a second we can't keep yeah doing this definitely it's like a collective break of a generational trauma i hope i hope so too dude because i think we've as a species of humans moved way far past beyond any of this that we're doing genocide colonialism any of it like if anything we should be moving towards a time in a place where like there's no such thing as even like borders yeah Mm -hmm. none of that shit fucking matters like land is land people should be able to live wherever they want kind of a thing like why are we arguing over like Mm -hmm. and of course it's not even really an argument it's just like why are we still taking land like why why is that still a thing that we're trying to do i don't know and i think someone might listen to this conversation and be like oh look at all this you'd really have to just undo all the systems and whatever yeah yes yes yep it's our point (laughs) correct you are you are correct and i don't think that i'm a crazy girl who likes astrology and all the things for thinking that i think Mm -hmm. that is what we're going to be forced to do so we're either going to go kicking and screaming or we can say hey wait what does this look like because none of the things we made up that we made up entirely (laughs) we made all this up there was no fucking instructions when humans popped onto this earth that we needed to be acting this way we made it up and we can stop yep not gonna be comfortable Maybe we don't see it all in our lifetime, but we know that our future generations are not going to be living through this bullshit. Yep. Also, too, like, I just, my mind projects even, like, further into the future. Like, if humans haven't been, like, completely wiped out at that point, (laughs) like, we would all literally be essentially one race eventually because so many happening anyway like, yeah that's what i'm saying but like yeah because i think like the distinction like the separation of different lands i feel like is meant to continue to like separate groups of people in some ways like genetically mm-hmm. um like just uh, uphold systems of like power for certain groups of people and not others but like if none of those things existed 
everybody could go wherever eventually the human race would probably all be one shade (laughs) one hair color like one fucking eye color like maybe slight variations Mm -hmm. like if you think about it if enough times people have like mixed with each other that's that would end up being the result (laughs) that's exactly exactly I think again what we're moving towards whether you like it or not like that is if we make it that long that's what is happening that is our future so and all signs of life kind of point to that so why are we the species that is kicking and fucking screaming against it and like I also understand why and I think a lot of it has to do with personal trauma impacting and collective trauma on groups of people impacting how people are showing up in the world in their life experience I'm not like numb to that but then again we can talk back about like especially a collective group being oppressed are their needs being met do they feel safe do they feel loved no Okay, well, that makes sense as to why they're acting the way that they're acting. Yeah. I would really like, I really want to fact check that, like, there's never been an oppressed group of people that hasn't been oppressed another group of people. Like, because that's so interesting. Because, like, I'm thinking even, like, the Armenian genocide. Like, have they? A lot of people don't know about that one. Or, like, I don't know. There's so many like genocides that have happened throughout history that I'm like, you never, I haven't heard of the other end of it where like, I would be curious to know. Now I'm going to be like Googling this all night. (laughs) I'll send a video and because she does a, she goes through, she does a, so for everyone listening, if you click the the video in the show notes, she does a prayer in the beginning. So I want to give that disclaimer because she's not praying to any one god her view is life the mystery of life and earth mother earth is god essentially humanity all of that rolled into one which is kind of the belief that i also hold so the prayer does not make me uncomfortable and she often says like mother earth and this and that in the prayer so there is that and then she gets into the actual history human timeline of the that area of land specifically the gaza strip and the area known as israel and goes back to like the ottoman empire and the byzantine empire and how england came in and all of these different things and if you think about it too that's how america started like we were leaving The people who founded America, not my people, but the people that founded America were leaving religious persecution. And so they were not being oppressed or like harmed in terms of violent genocide, but they were being ostracized and othered and trying to escape their own persecution and came here to from England to colonize. And they ended up doing the same thing to the people here who were indigenous to this land. Mm -hmm. And so it just, I would say that the, I don't know that, because she just goes through the the history of that group. So maybe I'm speaking for her with like never anyone. So I'll add that too. There are so many. Mm Mm-hmm apartheid states or like genocides that have happened historically that like just so many people don't know about even 
So, like, I would be shocked if, like, none have, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But to her point, like, that definitely is a theme. Yeah. And it certainly seems to be, like you said, generational trauma and things like that um, at play. It's an interesting correlation that, like, these these groups who have been so in such pain before mm-hmm. are kind of now turning around and, and it's, it's interesting how that can happen on such a wide scale like a group scale level because like we see that happen in like tinier ways where it's like okay the kid who got bullied becomes the bully or something like that yeah. you know what I mean mm-hmm. but for a whole group of people it's just so interesting how that plays out Mm -hmm. it's like does the trauma make people more susceptible to brainwashing like what is it this needs to be studied because like how do you convince a whole group of people to play along with this i think it's just i swear to god goddess whomever above that every single thing and i will say this speaking from the eye every single issue comes back down to an individual need of wanting to be safe and wanting to be loved absolutely that feels threatened it's over and when it's been threatened to the degree of genocide Mm -hmm. it's over how does one feel safe ever after having gone through something like that and we know that epigenetics is a thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that that fear is going to be carried down and just like you mentioned the bully that or the one that's bullied becomes the bully that happens doesn't always happen when when something we still feel oppressed or unsafe but it makes sense that a personal experience creates collective experience so we're gonna see these similar patterns it doesn't just go away it just becomes magnified it also if like now that I'm thinking about it there's also just like the two extremes of it like there are the people who like become the oppressor and then there's the people who are like I will never stand for that because of what Mm -hmm. my lineage of people have gone through and we've seen many many examples of that coming out now right like people Mm -hmm. not even just coming out now but there's so many Jewish individuals for example who are so anti-Zionist and they're like do not do this in our name kind of a thing yes yeah don't weaponize my grief yeah and like I I just just so interesting I think like the response can be either of those extremes I'm sure there's people who fall somewhere in the middle too yeah of course and I think that is where we can make I think an educated guess that does not cover all of the people in let's say the category of don't weaponize my grief. Don't use my pain as justification for the genocide that is being committed now. Maybe at an individual level, those people have resolved some kind of trauma related to or otherwise. Maybe people in their family lineage have. I saw a video of, I think his name is Norman Finkelstein. Finkelstein. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to say the last name, but shouting this was in 2009 and i think that video has kind of gone viral since but or since this last week of him saying to people i don't stand for what is going on 
to Palestinians because of how my parents basically processed their trauma Mm -hmm. and taught their children this is never to anyone ever mm-hmm. not just us mm-hmm. and it's about that like we are not the chosen people all people are chosen people yeah it also though makes me wonder if it's even like a processing of trauma all the time or if it's just the fact that different people react differently to different things right because like you can have two people who go through similar traumas like for example take siblings mm-hmm. and that manifests yeah. so differently in the two of them right and so it makes you wonder like well what is it that's making them yeah end up different you know and nobody's life experience is going to be exactly the same of course but it's just like um is it nature or nurture kind of a question like could it just have been that like you've been surrounded by many different types of people. And so maybe like you're more aware of the humanity of all types of people and could Mm. never do that again. Whereas someone else has been just like in a closed circle of like, we're the best. Like, you know, it's like, what are you being like fed your whole life? Yes. I, oh, there's like a few different talking points swirling around my brain because when I, that just made me think about One, when I drove through Montana, having grown up in New Jersey, very, not a very liberal state, but progressive left-leaning, and then I drive through sections of Montana where all the billboards in 2023 are about Jesus and pictures of ultrasounds saying, you are a murderer. Mm -hmm. And this is in 2023. So if I'm growing up in that area, even 20 years ago, I can only imagine the kind of things. And so I look at that and I'm like, oh, duh. No wonder that people think this way. And I could have gathered that before, but just seeing that so aggressively was really drawing the distinction of how wildly different people's experience in this country is. Mm-hmm. And then it, what you said before made me think about the question of nature versus nurture. and. Even how I think, and this is something I've been toying with the last couple of days of, I don't know if I'll be able to fully express it, but Carl Jung has the idea of a unity consciousness, of a unified unconscious. Mm -hmm. And that is where these ideas that all humans have, like the hero's journey, we all kind of have these certain themes or motifs that we recognize. And I think that is just because over time, epigenetically, the human experience builds on itself. And we have these like unconscious things going on, which for me is motivating to change and challenge how I think Mm -hmm. so that at least my psyche, and if I ever have children, maybe their brains, even to the smallest degree, will be an evolution. Yes, absolutely. Because I think, like, I think it's both, right? Like, yeah, the nature and the nurture, like both of those things that you just mentioned, absolutely. 
play into all of it and so it's like I think that's also kind of comforting it's not like you're doomed if like you come from a traumatic past it's like also we're absorbing everything around us like how when you went to Montana and you were like whoa if I grew up here this would be just like my subconscious would be picking up on these signs everywhere I go kind of a thing and it's like we don't realize how much the things around us actually seep into us yeah so yeah there's epigenetics that we can like um not blame blame's not the word I'm looking for but like recognize acknowledge yeah acknowledge as like a piece of how maybe we might respond to things in the future and also what can we surround ourselves with Mm -hmm. since we have that knowledge of maybe like a past or a history that we don't want to continue to play out what can we surround ourselves with that can help us to change the way that we might be wired to think or act or Mm -hmm. show up in the world because both are very, very strong forces. And you can even see that in the current events of like just the propaganda wars that are yeah. going on. Yeah. And I think the radical move there is like, instead of initially responding when you see something, whether you're for it or against it, just pause for a moment. Mm-hmm. Just creating that moment of pause is and not being responsive or defensive or on guard is monumental monumental i would even take it a step further and say when you see something intentionally seek out the other perspective Mm -hmm. and when you've digested both can you make your own opinion about it can you look at everything and decide Mm -hmm. instead of just surrounding yourself with one type of messaging that's going to keep like feeding a narrative with no regard to something else that could be happening because everything at the end of the day is like multiple perspectives Mm -hmm. perspectives to everything right and there are certain things that we can say like yes fundamentally are wrong to do like genocide right and also like can we still try to understand all sides before we just make a decision kind of a thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think that curiosity is a form of compassion for yourself and for the the experience unfolding Mm -hmm. and then you can have compassion when you start to understand all of the multiple perspectives and potential multiple truths going on at that time and saying whoa this is a lot to hold yeah it is and you're not meant to hold it alone you're meant to hold it in community and with your people which brings us back to like the humanitarian aspect of it and being in touch with your humanity while you are curiously exploring and if something you're like "Mm, bombing people doesn't feel right correct that's why you feel uncomfortable so maybe we start to say again that moment of pause and instead of identifying with right or left or liberal or conservative or progressive or not or this and that all the things just lose the labels and come back to what feels mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more human and let that be the quote-unquote label that you're guided by because that's the only one you're going to be born with and die with. Yeah, absolutely. And also, too, like, let's say you you hear of, oh, people are being bombed and that doesn't stir something up inside of you. <laughs> what I would even suggest is, like, Put yourself either in those shoes or put the other side of the argument in those shoes. And would you still feel the same? Would you still be like, oh, whatever? Or would it actually be like, 
oh, that's horrible. And if it's like, oh, that's horrible, then what's making it horrible for one group of people and not the other group of people? And like really, really, really sit with that and digest that because again, we are the product of our environment. And whether you maybe realize it or not, there are things that maybe have seeped into your psyche, certain beliefs around certain groups of people, certain beliefs around certain religious groups of people, ethnic groups of people, races, whatever it is. And like, there's always this conversation that people have around like, subconscious biases. And like, it really is true. Like, everybody has it like it, of course can we try to like see it from a different perspective can we try and undo yeah. them can we use this as an opportunity to like better ourselves for the future yeah no you 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 are you are landing the plane you landed. <laughs> and what it's making me think about too is we keep kind of ebbing and flowing back and forth to like the collective experience and then the personal experience and it's the same on an individual level like would you Let's take everything in the world right now, October 16, 2023, aside and just pause that and maybe just jump back into a one-on-one -on -one perspective here, an individual view of what we were talking to at the beginning about body and whatnot and saying, like, would I ever talk to someone else that way? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should challenge my own thought pattern because it is unhelpful and it's not compassionate and yeah. it's no longer serving me. If you heard what Daisy just said and you don't have the ability to challenge your thoughts on such a macro complex level, start at the smaller level because that's how you're working that muscle Yeah. and saying, okay, do I have the ability to kind of take inventory of my own stuff and say, where can I find radical responsibility and say like, okay, where can I pause and say, this is not feeling good. I wouldn't speak to myself that way. Maybe I can get support from other people and work on something. But just that whole moment of like shaking up your unconscious or subconscious pathways is really a skill and really, really hard to do. Yeah. But the more we do it, even if it doesn't seem like it overlaps, even if challenging your perspective right now on the genocide taking place in the area that is Gaza and is Israel or not really in Israel but you know what I mean um like the all the violence unfolding over there maybe that's too complex maybe we stick to what is more individual and then over time you will notice qualities of curiosity and compassion and pause and more humanity the more you can treat yourself in that way yeah absolutely another light episode you know just girly things <laughs> just some girl talk <laughs>